It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hello, everyone out there in the podcast world. My name is Matt Hausman, as you probably already know from the intro. Smart Money Questions podcast. I hope you're doing great. I'm doing great on this Wednesday, October 14th, as I'm recording this. It's absolutely gorgeous out. This is going to go on our website tomorrow, the 15th. But yesterday was a day that um, really has a lot of significance and celebration for Maggie and I. It's hard to believe, but it was October 13th, 2015, when we were sitting in the doctor's office, and he proceeded to tell us that Maggie was, or Maggie had, acute leukemia. And that's all we knew at the time. It was exactly on a Tuesday. Maggie and I were talking yesterday. We remembered it being right around 10.15 in the morning, and just kind of sat there numb, like, holy cow. Now, interestingly enough, and all he said was, you have leukemia. And I knew that there was a difference. There was acute leukemia. There's obviously many differences, even within acute and then chronic leukemia. Maggie didn't even know what acute uh, or leukemia was. So he proceeded to tell us, no, it's acute leukemia. And then we're making arrangements right now for you to get down the University of Penn, which actually was on Thursday the 15th. And then she was in the hospital. That would be the 19th. And actually started her treatment on the 20th. And so The celebration is we are five years out. That is a very, for many of you that either are familiar with leukemia or many cancers in general, the five-year mark is very significant, and that's what we're celebrating. Now, she's still been on some uh, maintenance chemo drugs this entire time, but she gets to go off of those on the 20th of this month, which would be five years from the day she started that treatment. So very exciting for the listeners out there that don't know that, um, you know, it was quite an ordeal. I mean, she was in and out of the hospital over a six-month period of time. For probably, she, Total time in the hospital was probably about four months. She had a stem cell transplant, um, who, and the, the donor was her sister, if you ever get a chance to see them. Maybe we'll just uh, throw a picture of those two up there. They're, as they would call them, Irish twins. If I remember right, I think they're six years apart. But that was significant in and of itself for her to be the donor. And um, it's just, you know, it's... It's when you look back on it, and Maggie and I were talking about this yesterday, you know, at that time, it, it, you know, you, all of a sudden you're in a fog and you're kind of numb. And even when we went down to the University of Penn, which by the way, their care was phenomenal. But on that Thursday, we sat with about, I don't know, three or four, uh, the oncologist, uh, her nurse practitioner, a couple other nurses, and we were in this little room for probably about three and a half or four hours. And the joke was when we, uh, when we came out of the room, I looked at her and I was like, I don't know about you, but I just feel like I bought a timeshare. <laughs> and so anyway, it, we found out the next day on Friday that what they had told us, and they did a bone marrow biopsy that day, that um, there, it was a very, an unusual acute leukemia is what she had. And so the protocol and the, the medications and the, the direction that we were going to be going medically was different than what they had just told us the day before. 
And so she started treatment that following Monday, and the rest is history. It really is awesome. Five years later, here she is. She gets to go off that drugs. So for you clients out there, I know that I did a talk about this about three years ago, and many of you are always asking about her. And she obviously, she works in our office for everyone to know. And, uh, you know, she's doing great. It's hard to believe. But even with, you know, after that diagnosis and going through that treatment, within three years, she did, um, I think it was seven or eight of those obstacle course type races. So it wasn't a Tough mutter, very similar. We did multiple Spartan runs. We did some uh, local mud runs, very similar, uh, anywhere from three and a half miles in length, 20, 22 obstacles, all the way to the big one we did, which was in 17. It was about nine and a half miles with 35 obstacles up and down a couple Black Diamond Hills. So Anyway, great day. I just wanted to share that because, I, I, we, as I mentioned, we do have a lot of people that are always asking about Maggie. She is doing awesome, and we are thrilled with this milestone that has passed and looking forward to the future. So I just wanted to share that with everyone. So now let's jump into the questions for today. I was on the phone with a listener um, the, on Monday, and I'm going to go through the discussion that I had with her. And then also we had a couple questions that came in. One, one I think that's pretty significant because we've been seeing this a lot with uh, people asking this same question. So I think what we're going to talk about today is going to be very valuable. But before we jump into that, let's make sure that we deal with a disclaimer. Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmat.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30-minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low-key. Go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. All right, so let's jump into the the call that I had on Monday, and let me kind of explain the situation that this person was in. She is getting ready to turn 65 in the early uh, first quarter of next year, which means that she's going to be eligible to go on Medicare. Her husband is 62, and through you know what we've all been dealing with over the course of the last six, seven months, is he was forced into an early retirement with his company that he'd been with for decades, and they're changing his position from being a W-2 employee to now being a consultant. Now, I'll make sure to reference uh, in the show notes, I did a a podcast on if you're going to be a consultant, these are the things that you really want to make sure you're addressing. And a lot of that had to do with your structure and taxes that are going to be different from when you go from being a W-2 employee to now essentially being self-employed and making sure you're aware of that. But with her calling specifically about questions related to, I'm going to be 65, what does Medicare look like? What do I need to know about Medicare? 
Let's address the Medicare. If you're in that position, you're getting ready to be 65, you understand what Medicare is and the different pieces of Medicare. Because I've been speaking with clients about this a lot over the course of the last, I don't know, three or four months. And it can be very confusing because of the way that they address it. So let's deal with initially traditional Medicare. Traditional Medicare is going to be, one is going to be Part A, and that's going to be your hospitalization. The next is going to be Part B, which is your service providers, your, uh, like if you're having an MRI, and then the doctor that reviews the MRI, any type of services that are done, and then the service providers that are doing that. Medicare Part A and is free. Medicare Part B is there is a premium that you pay to Medicare. By the way, both of these programs, Medicare A and Medicare B, Part B, are done through the government. It's actually, go right to Medicare.gov. You can see what I'm talking about. And so Medicare Part B, there is a premium associated with that. In uh, the year 2020, if you come on Medicare Part B, then that's going to be $144.60. If you're not collecting Social Security, then they're going to bill you quarterly, and they're going to want their money in advance. No different than really any other type of insurance. Okay. Now, Medicare Part B for the service providers only covers 80% of what Medicare approves for the charges. And this is where it can get a little uh, confusing because you can pick up what's called, many times it's called a Medigap policy or a Medicare supplement policy. Now, this is going to be a policy that you're going to pay for directly to an insurance company. And what they're going to do based on the plan that you choose. Now, here's another part that's very confusing is the plans are alphabetical. Plans A through D, and then we have G, and then we have K through N. Some of you, if you've been on Medicare for a while, you, re- you might have a plan C or a plan F. Those have gone away effective this year. If you're going on Medicare in 2020, those plans are no longer available. Now, each one of those plans, those Medicare supplement plans, picking up what Medicare doesn't cover, are going to cover different items of what Medicare doesn't cover. And this is where you have to understand that. Now, these plans are standardized. And what that means, it doesn't matter. I'm in Pennsylvania. If I have a plan G in Pennsylvania and I move or I'm in Florida or I'm in Texas or I'm in California purchasing that plan G, the coverage is the same. So please hear me when I say that. If I have a plan A, a plan A in PA is the same as a plan A in Florida as is the same as California. It's offered by insurance companies. Now, what you're going to look at is the insurance companies are going to price those out differently depending on the plan you're choosing. Again, this is the Medicare supplement or the Medigap policy. This is through an insurance company. To go back, Medicare Part A and Medicare Part B is through the government, is actually through Medicare. In Medicare Part B, there is a premium associated with that, that you're paying the government or they're deducting it from your social security check if you're collecting social security. The Medigap policies are going to be different. The other, now the, and this is part of the traditional Medicare. There's also the opportunity for you to get a Part D, D standing for drugs, a Part D plan, which is also offered by insurance companies. 
And it's very simple for you to be able to do because all you have to do is you can go to righttomedicare.gov. You can go in, I need to purchase a Medicare Part D plan. And the process is you go in, if you're taking certain scripts, you can put those scripts in, how often you're taking, you know, what the dosage is, and then it will give you those plans that are available in the different pricing structures that they have. And so, and then you can look at that during open enrollment every October 15th. This year it's October 15th through December 7th. But it's real important to understand that's traditional Medicare, and that's what she's going to be eligible for. Now, the way it works and what you want to understand if you're going to go the traditional Medicare route is Part A and Part B have to be uh, elected when you are eligible. You have 90 days in advance. So in this case of her 65th birthday, she has 90 days in advance to elect this. She also has the month, and then she has 90 days after. There's like a seven-month window that you can get in if you're eligible. Now, let's address if you're still working. If you're still working and you have credible coverage, you can go beyond that, which is significant. But once you come off that coverage, if you're still working, let's say you work to 68, and then you want to, then you're coming off your employer's plan, is that you want to go and apply for Medicare right then. Because if you don't elect Medicare during that window, and that's part B and part D, then when you elect it at a future time, if you decide to, there's going to be a penalty. And so that window of eligibility is extremely important to understand as, as to what it is and when you want to apply. Now, the other thing that happens if you're going to go traditional Medicare and you elect the supplement, the Medigap policy, one of those A through D, G, or K through N plans, is that you have what's called a guaranteed issue during that window of opportunity to sign up for Medicare. What that guaranteed issue means is it doesn't matter what your health situation is, that you're going to get it at a standard pricing with no health underwriting. So it's a big deal. You want to make sure you understand that window if you're going to go the traditional Medicare route and you elect B. And I would suggest at least looking at Part D because Part D, if you elect it later, there's also a penalty. Now, I will tell you this, at least in our experience with my mom, for instance, is that there were many years that she was not on a plan D, but we ended up electing it because the drugs that she or the scripts that she was having to take later on weren't on her existing one so, or, or were becoming very expensive. So we had to elect a plan. But the reality was is that the penalty was inconsequential compared to if she had to pay for those, um, those drugs on her own. So again, under, if you have questions about this, reach out to us, 610-719-3003, or just go to speakwithmatt.com, and you can schedule a time right there. My online calendar is there. This is really significant because the reality is the Medicare piece, while there is cost associated with, is a great plan for you to be on compared to what I'm getting ready to describe. So now I was explaining to her, well, your husband is 62. He's got three years until he's Medicare eligible. He's been removed from being a W-2 employee with health coverage to now being considered as a consultant. My question is, what's going to be his health care coverage? What's he going to do? Did they offer him COBRA, which they should have? And if they did, or does he have retiree health benefits? You know, she said, well, I know he doesn't have retiree health benefits. I'm unclear about the COBRA. I said, well, I would go back and, and really understand that because the COBRA plan, is there going to be a cost associated with that? Yes. 
that person is going to have to pay the full boat on whatever the company was paying at that time, plus an administration charge. And you have the ability to have that plan for up to 18 months. In the event he doesn't elect that, the only other coverage he's going to have is going to be the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. And I've done multiple podcasts on this. It's really important to understand, first of all, the premium that you're going to pay for the health insurance associated with the Affordable Care Act is going to be based on all of your household income. Please hear me, not your taxes. It's not after all your deductions. It's not you know after you've contributed to an IRA and all. No, it is based on your income coming into the household. That's the way it reads. And depending on where your income falls is then how much your premium is going to be for the plan that you choose. Now, here in Metro Philly for 2020, there's only one insurance company providing only six different plans. I can speak to that because we are on that plan. We are on one of those six plans, okay? And it ain't cheap if your income climbs above a certain level, and the level is actually pretty low. So you want to understand, that's what I was explaining to her. Now, if he's going to be a consultant, what he has to realize is what are, what's the expected income that he's going to have, because that's going to determine if he doesn't elect COBRA, that's going to determine what his health care coverage is. Now, here's the real thing to understand about Obamacare or Affordable Care Act. If you go that route, if you're on that, if you were laid off earlier because of the COVID situation, and you went on the Affordable Care Act because you thought it was going to be cheaper than the COBRA, okay, is that it's all based on income. If you went in and said that your income was only, your household income was only going to be, let's say, $40,000, and you're a couple, and your premiums are, let's say, only $300 a month, but they're giving you $1,000 of tax subsidy to reduce that, and then you file your taxes, and next thing you know, your income was $75,000 you're going to have to pay back that tax subsidy. If you look on your tax return on page two, there is actually a line that says the repayment of tax premium credits. And if you remember, is the IRS is the gatekeeper of people paying for Obamacare and how much they're paying. So it's real important to understand. That's why I said you, you really need to go back. You've got a little while before you need to jump through this Medicare hoop which is going to be great for you. But right now, as he is transitioning from this W-2 employee with health benefits, flipping over with no retiree health benefits, you really want to get through and understand COBRA versus Obamacare Affordable Care Act and what those options are. And what the, most importantly, what the cost is going to be. You know, Most of the time, what we've seen with clients is, uh, granted, they're not happy to pay for the COBRA, right? Because they're, they're paying way more than what they were paying before. But I will tell you what we have seen is the coverage is much better than what you're going to see on the Affordable Care Act. I can just speak in our example, like the, the policy that we have, you know, in, in our household, we don't have any copays. We have a very high deductible. We have a very high premium and we have a very high um, five-figure max out-of-pocket at the family level. So it's really important to know and understand if you're in that situation. And quite frankly, you know, there's a lot of people that you might only be 30, you might only be 40, maybe be 50, and you've been pushed out. You want to make sure that you are looking at that health care coverage and understanding what your options are 
and most importantly, what the costs are for the direction you decide to go. Again, if you have questions about that, if you're in that situation, reach out to us, www.speakwithmat.com or 610-719-3003. I can't tell you how important it is. Okay, let's jump to a couple other questions that I have had that have come in over the course of the last couple weeks. One of them is from David in Arizona. He says, his father-in-law recently passed away and left us some money we were not expecting. We don't need it, and we want to give it to our son who could really use it, but I'm nervous he's just going to blow it on a Camaro, and that'll be the end of it. Do you have any suggestions for how to handle it? Absolutely, David. Put requirements on giving him that money. Make your son go through, and I would say this to anyone, make sure that you're not just handing over a bucket of money with no, I I hate to use the word, but no strings attached. Let's make sure that he isn't going to go out and just blow it on a Camaro or head to Vegas or what have you, that you're, you're using this money for being constructive in his development. And that money is an inheritance you are receiving constructive receipt of the money, which means now you control how that, where that money goes. Do you and your wife use it, or are you going to use it in a gifting strategy to your son? So I would tell you, you know, create um, a lot of times with, with our kids is I give them like home assignments that they have to go through. And usually, just like what you're talking about, David, there's a monetary reward at the end, but they have to go through certain steps and be able to come back to me with, let's, let's say it's designing a goal and then they have to have an action plan, is we want to be able to see that and then how are they going to monitor themselves to make sure on the back end, before the money is dispersed, that they're, they're really learning something from that. So I would tell you that's what I would do. And you know, many times clients will talk to us about this, is they will talk about when they get into their estate plan is many times they, they're worried about, God forbid, something happens to them and they die prematurely, is that they don't want all of that money just being dropped in the laps of their kids. And this is where you want to really speak to an estate attorney. And there are ways that you can create requirements before those monies are released to the heirs through different trusts that you can use. Now, I will say this, in an, in an estate plan, you want to be careful in doing that if it's qualified retirement account money, whether it's traditional IRA money or even Roth money, because of the new, new SECURE Act that went into effect January 1 of this year and how inherited IRAs for any, anyone that dies post-January uh, 1, 2020, for their heirs, there are certain requirements on how that money has to be dispersed. And if not, there can be significant tax consequences. So you want to make sure that you... Um, that you understand that in part of your estate plan. But David, that's what I would say to you. He's not going to blow it if you have requirements on how you're going to give or how he's going to receive that money. And guess what? If he goes through and he does whatever it is that you guys decide on, you and your wife decide on how he's going to get that money. If he goes and buys a Camaro, good for him. He went through the process that you both you and your wife agreed on. So that's that's what I would tell you and how to work with that. So the next one is Elizabeth in Florida, Florida. And we are looking forward because we are going to be down there soon enjoying the sun and fun. So this one is, there's a section on my 401k statement showing that I can expect to create an income of about $4,000 a month from my current account balance. How reliable is that number? 
and what are they basing it on? Elizabeth, that is a great question because that is what's happening a lot with these 401k statements and the companies and the custodians that are providing them is you'll see this arbitrary number. But the first thing is how reliable is that number? Well, what you want to look at is your second question, what in the world are they basing it on? And so then you're going to have to dive in to the fine print. And many times what we see is that assumption is that you are going to continue to work and contribute into your 401k. If you're getting a match, many times they're assuming that match will be there until that date of retirement. And then most importantly is then they're assuming a rate year over year over year. So many times what I have seen is that that first assumption, the contributions, and if you're getting a match, that's going to continue until let's just use the the age of 65. But then they could be assuming a 7 or 8 or 9% rate of return year over year over year. Now, the reality is, even if you look at the S&P, is that we can see that over like a 30-year period of time, we might see a rate of return of 8 or 9%. But here comes the question that you want to look at in their assumption is that there's one thing called a sequence of return risk. And the reality is you're not going to get 8% year over year over year, every year, every year. It doesn't happen. It used to happen, but he's in jail. His name is Madoff. (laughs) But when the market goes up and down, just like it has done significantly this year, we've seen a very volatile year because of everything that's going on, is it's assuming that doesn't happen. It's also assuming that you won't pull the trigger in a time of crisis like we saw at the end of March and beginning actually most of April and that you don't all of a sudden go to cash. So it's real important. Don't I I would tell you how reliable is that number? Well, it's only as reliable as you are comfortable with the assumptions that it is making. And then this is where uh, one of the things I spoke about about I think it was three or four podcasts ago, with understanding your underlying 401k investment options, what that risk is, what they're invested in, and that you're comfortable with that. Because, you know, many people, we can go back to the financial crisis of 08, 09. We can even go to the recent um, chaos that happened, you know, at the end of the first and, and halfway through the second quarter. There were many people that decided, one, maybe they quit contributing to their 401k. Second of all, maybe they got laid off. Third, their company could have quit, which I've seen this a lot. They have suspended the match or all of those happen and the person went to cash. So I would tell you, you know, look at that number. Make sure that you're looking, you know, the devil's in the details. Make sure you're looking at the details and you're comfortable with what that number is and the assumptions that they are making. And then maybe use it more as a guide instead of a reality. And, you know, that way you are, quite frankly, what it could do is if you're not paying a lot of attention to your 401k, and I'm not suggesting that you look at it every day, but maybe it's something that you're you're monitoring that on a quarterly or semi-annual basis, and you're really going in and looking at, and I would be double-checking those assumptions that they're making to get to that $4,000 a month number. But Elizabeth, I'm really glad you brought that up because we have been seeing that a lot lately. 
And again, I would just use it as a guide. I was would not use it as gospel. So listen, everyone, I hope that's been helpful and valuable for you. If you have a question, concern, or scenario that you want us to address, um, if you want to address it personally, like the person I was talking about earlier, feel free to schedule a call with me, www.speakwithmatt.com. Again, speakwithmatt.com. You can schedule it right there, a 15 or 30-minute conference call. If you would like for us to address it on the show, feel free to email us at info at smartmoneyquestions.com or go right to the website smartmoneyquestions.com and right there ask a question you can actually leave a voicemail comes right into us or type one up so listen everyone everyone take care have a great day we'll talk to you soon